Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryant. That makes this Stuff You Should Know. Jerry's back there. We're all set. Got our mics, got the dinosaur. What's this dinosaur's name? Frank the Chair's uncle is here. His 97-year-old uncle who's um, in the Olympics. Yeah. Uncle Merle. The Frank the Chair. His uncle Merle. Is the dinosaur. Oh, I was talking about the chair you're sitting in. Is that a nameless Oh, chair? yeah. God, this isn't Frank, is it? No. Jeez. Frank's on set at our TV show that we're shooting. Unfortunately. We have a TV show we're making. <laughs> is it set in? Uh, yeah, it said in that I had to sit in that stupid chair for 60 hours a couple weeks ago. Yeah, it's hilarious. Yeah. They followed us there. I know. Uh, okay, so this is Uncle Merle the Dinosaur, the Stegosaurus, I believe. Uh, sure. It's like a Stegosaurus crossed with a Sharpei. Look at all those wrinkles. Yeah, man. Weird. That's about it. All right. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us. <laughs> hey, buddy, if yeah. you don't mind, if I plug my Movember page real quick. Please do. I am growing a mustache mm-hmm. uh, this month. For November, for uh, for cancer research, yeah, specifically uh, male prostate cancer research. That's right, and you can donate to my team, which would be pretty cool because you know you get a free podcast, and it'd be nice to throw a little money toward cancer research. Yeah, and in Chuck's the name of being, my stash. Chuck's being nice here. Give him some money. He's growing <laughs> out facial hair to help a, a, a charitable organization engage in. Really important scientific research. That's right. And you can go to mobro.co slash Charles Bryant. Uh-huh. And that is my page. Or just go to the Movember site, type in Charles Bryant in the search bar, and look for the picture of me. There's only a couple of us out there. Chuck's wearing a red shirt. That's right. Yeah. Um, so uh, what is that again? That's mobro.co slash Charles Bryant. Yes. Thank you in advance. Yeah. That's nice, Chuck. All right. Let's get to it. Chuck, you selected this one. I did. How do you feel? <laughs> it sounded a lot cooler. Yeah, we're talking about holographic <laughs> environments. Yeah, and you hear that and you think, man, Star Trek. Yeah. It's come to life. So I, I wanted to make sure I knew what I was talking about, and I went and looked up the holodeck. Yeah. And it's apparently just from the next generation. Like, it wasn't, like, original. Oh, really? I didn't see anything. I even looked on a Star Trek wiki, and the, it's it seemed to indicate... The first, I'm so nervous right now. Well, let's say this. We'll find out one way or the other right. very quickly. But it, it seemed to indicate from my cursory research yeah. that the holodeck was a, uh, a feature on the Enterprise from the 2360s, e.g., or i.e., the uh, next generation. All right. So you, what was the holodeck? Have you seen it? Are you familiar? Uh, you know Star Trek at all? No, I wasn't a Star Trek guy. Me neither. It just kind of got past me. But have you seen it? Did you did you see it? Yeah. Okay. It's cool. You know, it is a projection, a holographic projection room, and it basically, you know, is what you would think. You know, remember in Star Wars, which I am a fan of, when uh, R two D two spit out the little holographic image of Princess Leia, right, rendering her message. Yeah. Um, imagine a room of life size people doing that, as if you are interacting. Yes, that's a very important key. Yeah. Um, because what we're talking about is not just a 3D projection like Star Wars clunked along with, yeah. but we're talking about the Star Trek holographic environment where you can move around and you get a 360-degree view and you can shake hands and maybe uh, have a, a cocktail or play a trombone or something with someone else in a virtual environment. But you yeah. can interact. Like, you don't, like... 
when you walk around the backside of somebody, it's not you're not getting in the way of the the projector. Can I read a, a line from the article? Yes. Eventually, <clears throat> you will even be able to hug other people using this technology. <laughs> I saw that. They should have put hug in quotes. Yeah, because sure, because it's not a hug. No, they're not really there. Oh, I I meant I thought that they were talking about like having virtual sex. Of course, it's going to go to virtual sex. It's going to be the first thing that they come up with. <laughs> That's what everybody at Microsoft is working on right now. I'm quite sure you'll make a trillion dollars. <laughs> It's like, uh, was it Total Recall? Uh, yeah. Where you, you had the uh, 3D ex- or uh, virtual reality experiences. Yeah. yeah. And I'm sure it's been in other stuff, too, I'm not thinking of. Like Total Recall, the remake. Yeah. That was the other thing I was thinking <laughs> of. All but right. What we're talking about is teleimmersion. Right. That's right? the real name for it. Yes. It's not the holodeck. Uh, and it right now is mainly being um, developed for a few different things, uh, potentially video game use. Hugging. Hugging your family members at Christmas. Yeah. If you can't be there. I thought that was a nice one. Sure. Um, but mainly for uh, something that's not quite as exciting, video conferencing. <laughs> right. Which yeah. we've seen like the pinnacle of video conferencing right now. I think so. And The um, Tanberg system. Yeah. Man, they owe us a, a couple bucks. Yeah. We've plugged them like heavily. Well, I mean, it's amazing technology. It is, but it's it just like nothing compared to... Teleimmersion, yeah, the and goal of teleimmersion. True, and this article is is got to be outdated because it's laughably out of date. Because uh, after witnessing the Tanberg in use, which basically feels like you're sitting in a room, you know, it's HD. Mm-hmm. It's not like a hologram or 3D or anything. Right. But it's really good, and it feels like you're sitting in a room with someone. Mm-hmm. There's no lag. There's no stuttering. Yeah. And this article talks about like these days, you know, there's some stuttering and flickering when you try to teleconference. Right. <laughs> they figured that all out. They did. Um, they also, this not article. Skype, you know. This article also, no, it's not. No. Which I mean, like, it's kind of, I think, where the teleimmersion was at when this article was written. Yeah, although where Skype, we're at with, like, Skype, Skype is pretty decent now. Right. You know? But the, the, the author, Kevin Bonzer, makes a point, like, if you walk out of the way of the webcam, nobody can see you any longer. Sure. If you are, um, like, when you're looking at the computer screen, the webcam's getting your eyes, but you're not making eye contact. Like nobody thinks to do that. Yeah, that's all. This stuff just kind of goes away with teleimmersion, um, because you have a webcam that's tracking your eyes to see where you're where you're looking at. That's a big part of it. Yeah, facial recognition helps with that too. And then also, the, there's a camera array. It's not just one webcam pointing at you. You're, there's cameras around you. They're pretty much 360 degrees, so they're capturing everything you're doing so you can't leave the the view of the other person yeah you'd have to go into a different room and then <clears throat> why well, you know what's the point you just hang up your call is over right. at that point unless you uh, just have to like pee real quick well, that's you're like hold on <laughs> i'll be right back um one thing that's in the way right now i mean they made a lot of headway that this article points out in 2000 12 years ago <laughs> Is when they made their first big breakthrough um, at uh, the National Teleimmersion Initiative. Yes. Working together, uh, Chapel Hill, looks like, North Carolina. Did you look up this group? Are they still around? Their website's still around, but <laughs> they they reached their pinnacle in May 2000. Oh, really? Like, is it MySpacey? Oh, man, yeah, yeah. It is. And it's like, what we're doing, 1997, 1998, 1999, 2000, nothing. Nothing. Yeah. All right. Well, at the time, it was a big breakthrough because it was the first time they were able to see 
uh, three-dimensional uh, holographic images mm-hmm. of like colleagues in different cities. Yeah, all sitting in the same room. Right, and it was a big deal. Yeah, and that's we should also say like the point of teleimmersion is basically to create. Say, if you want to uh, telecommute and you have a conference, yeah, uh, rather than everybody flying to the conference room, you have a virtual conference room set up. Yeah, to where everybody basically projects himself into this shared space, this shared room that you can get up and move around and see yeah. from different angles, and um, th- each user is depicted. 360 degrees, so it it is a sort of telepresence is what they call it. Yeah, and it's sort of a green initiative, too. You could look at it that way. Yeah. Save a lot on uh, jet fuel and commuting costs and sure. things like that. There's some huge challenges to this. There were back in 2000, and it's um, a lot of them are still around. One of them is the kind of bandwidth that we will need. Yeah. Because I think uh, it's said to, for the frame to refresh itself um at 10, or the screen to refresh itself, or the projection yeah. to refresh at 10 frames a second, that'd be seamless. Yeah. But it was hitting at like three back in 2000. I, I wonder what it's at now. I'm sure that we can do that now, but the problem is, is um, transmitting that data right. is problematic. It so, eats up a lot of bandwidth. Yeah, so you're talking about two things. A, uh, computers that are way more juiced than they are now, yeah. even now. Yeah. And you're talking about an internet um, talking about Internet 2, basically. Yeah, now that's still going on. Right. It's um, basically this initiative by uh, a bunch of universities around the country to wire the U.S. at speeds that are just blistering fast compared to what we've got now. Yeah, up to a 1,000 times faster. That's really, really fast. Yeah. Um, they also have uh, enormous storage capabilities. And I saw that one of the things that they're doing is using this to move out to underserved areas of the country. Oh, really? Yeah, it's not just like just it's not just for New York or right, right. San Francisco. It's oh, that's like, cool. Yeah, it's for North Dakota. Why can't North Dakota get online finally? <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Uh, but true. <laughs> <laughs> you also have, um, uh, well, just basically tracking somebody, which Microsoft has done a lot to get past. Are you talking about that new thing, the Hollow Desk? Yes. Yeah, I just found this today. Did you look at that? The yeah. video? Yeah. It's pretty cool. It is. Uh, Microsoft is developing something, and this is current, <clears throat> um, called the Hollow Desk, and, um, uses an overhead screen to project a 2D, uh, 2D image through a half-silvered beam splitter onto a desktop. Which Basically what it looks like is um, it looks like you're working on a desk with a screen between you and the desk. Like a see-through clear screen. Yeah. yeah. So if you look below that screen, you're just going to see your hands doing right. nothing. If you look through that screen, you're going to see holographic images. In this case, they were like little glowing balls that you could pick up. Yeah. And juggle, and you could pick it up with a piece of paper. Yeah. You could put it in a coffee cup and swirl it around. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah. That's huge. That's hugely different. Yeah. Than anything that this article was talking about or anything we thought of before because, like, you're interacting with a virtual environment. It's reacting to you. I mean, yeah. Super advanced. And it was like, you could tell looking at it, it's like the pong of what it will be one yeah. day, you know? Yeah. Because it's, it's kind of jittery. It's, um, the edges aren't clear. Right. You can, when you're holding one of those balls, you can still see your fingers through on the other side. Yeah. But, like, there's a virtual ball, and you're picking it up and, like, throwing it from hand to hand. Yeah. 
and it's it's reacting to you like it's there, but it's not there. And that, that I mean, that's an enormous leap forward. It's pretty wicked. Um, right now, it's a research project, so they're not going to like roll this out anytime soon. Right. But the stuff you see in movies of the future, where like a surgeon will take a model of a heart and you know a right. holographic model and move <laughs> it around with his hand or something, mm-hmm. like that's coming down the pike at some point. Right. Um, t- training surgeons is one application. Training soldiers is another. Yeah. Um, when I was doing the researching the article for PTSD, which we need to do eventually. I know. It's just going to be, like, there's a lot to it. It is. It's pretty We have that source who, like, keeps sending us, like, research, up-to-the-date research. I know. Um, And, yeah, we need to do it. Anyway, um, I found that one way that they were trying to prevent PTSD later on was immersing soldiers in, like, basically what they were going to see. Like, dead bodies. Oh, beforehand? Mangled, just horrible stuff. Yeah, beforehand Uh as part of their training. Interesting. But it looked a lot like a current video game now. Right. Which is good, but it's not really lifelike. If you could nail this and have somebody immersed in it, then all of a sudden, like, they're going to see what they're going to experience, and maybe it's kind of like easing them into it a little bit to prevent PTSD further down the road. Interesting. So, like, desensitizing them beforehand? Right. Boy, that'd have to be pretty real, though. Yeah. I imagine even the realist projection, when you still see the real thing, it's like, I don't know. I imagine that's still pretty bad. Sure. It's like missing something. It's like interacting with a robot. Yeah. It's missing something. Even the greatest robot is missing something. But it could help. Yeah. It could maybe prime your brain to see the real thing. At the very least, even if it doesn't work to prevent PTSD, they'll make a uh, lot, a lot of money making video games like that, like using it as a straight up video game. I think that's one of the big goals of teleimmersion. Yeah. Is to create a virtual world that you are interacting with like look at the microsoft connect the little yeah. uh, bar that tracks your movements so now you can like dance and like the little avatar on the screen is making your movements right you've yeah. been to the mall and seen people doing this right yeah i think so i know what you're talking about uh, so uh, have you seen like people just dancing in the middle of the mall in front of a tv screen no but is it like we fit very much so okay um but i think microsoft is the one who really had the breakthrough with this connect gotcha um so they've got that. They've got tracking human motion down. Yeah. Now all they have to do is make it so that you're not looking at a screen. You're in the screen. Yeah. That's the teleimmersion part. Yeah. And the whole um, hubbub we were talking about with being able to hug something or with the holodeck with Microsoft, like you're, you're juggling these invisible balls, these holographic balls, but mm-hmm. you can't feel them. Um, but with something called haptics. Yeah. Haptic sensors? Yeah, that's a big one. Potentially, you might be able to at least replicate some of this. Um, it is uh, tactile feedback technology. So if you ever played like a PS3, now they have the, the uh, vibrating uh, controllers. Yeah, that's one. So like when you get shot or you shoot a guy or something in a first-person shooter, it like vibrates. Right. They also have them so that like you can you get little shocks to stimulate your sense of touch. Really? To simulate pressure, temperature change, and basically just screw with your brain. Huh. Um, so that, it, yeah, then that all of a sudden now hugging would be. Right. Virtual hugging is like, that's, I guess that would be the holy grail. But it still needs to be something physical. So wouldn't you have to like wear some sort of a suit <clears throat> that's wired to like yeah. compress like arms around you or sure. something? Yeah. Hmm. But I mean, like we're almost there. Yeah. And and I, I don't even know if you would have to wear... I mean, a suit would probably be helpful, but I'll bet there's little, like, patches of your skin where if you're wired into that, 
yeah. and you electrocute those, you could simulate like your whole arm feeling a sensation rather than just that finger that has that electrode array on it. So you're talking about plugging in. Very much so. Yeah. And that's the haptic part of it. And I think like we're already starting to get there. Like some of the f- some smartphones uh-huh. have like this this haptic effector is what it's called. A haptic sensor senses you squeezing something. Right. And the haptic effector would be the array on the person's arm that simulated the pressure of that squeeze. Right, right. In between, you have a lot of information being measured and crunched and transmitted. Yeah. Because, you know, how much pressure are you applying? Yeah. Like, are you trying to hurt the person? Like, that, all that has to be tracked and then sent and, and sent out to the effector, which, yeah. which replicates it. Well, you want it to be exact. Right. Otherwise, it's just clumsy. Sure. Or it hurts. <laughs> That's a good point. It's like, stop squeezing so hard. <laughs> I'm not. It's the machine. You always say that. I know. Uh, the two-pack hologram? Yeah. Um, I looked up, actually, the, the NPR did a great story on how that was done. But I think I should just read real quickly what one of the designers, um, he sort of explains it by saying sort of a lot. Yeah. He's one of those guys. Uh-huh. Uh, he said there's an overhead projector that sort of reflects down onto basically a tilted piece of glass that's sort of on the stage floor. Then uh, that reflects the, well, reflection onto a mylar sort of screen, and it sort of projects in this sort of 3D kind of thing where it allows the other performers to sort of walk in front of Tupac and basically interact with him. Yeah. And he said sort of literally like six times. Yeah. In that <laughs> yeah. But that's a pretty uh, basic way of explaining how a hologram works. Yeah. But we have a really detailed article on that if we ever feel squirrely. Holograms? Yeah. Tracy wrote it. And it's I tried to read it today and it flew way over my head. Yeah. So it's going to require some more effort. That and blood is going to require like a lot of effort. That we should, that should be our last podcast ever. Blood? Yeah. Blood? And then we should just like at the same time cut each other's jugulars <laughs> and bleed out on camera. Just end it. <laughs> you got anything else? Oh, teleimmersion is still going on. Yeah. Um, at Berkeley. Berkeley has a big teleimmersion lab. Oh, really? UC Berkeley. That figures. Not the music school. Same school, though. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Berkeley School of Music. That's at um. That's like in Massachusetts. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Massachusetts. Yeah, I think it's around Boston. I feel like a dummy now. Oh, it's okay, man. And it's not related to Berkeley in California at all. I don't believe so. Oh well. It's all right. Sometimes you swing and miss. <laughs> <laughs> but you look good doing it. I appreciate it. Um, can we be done talking about this? I think so. Look for um. Realistic holographic uh, video conferencing in an office near you in the future. In seven years. Your boss in Japan will be hugging you (laughs) just because he can. Yeah. All right. Well, if you want to learn more about virtual uh, environments or holographs or holodecks, you can type any of those words into the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. See what comes up. Spin the uh, wheel. Take your chances. And then just read them all. There you go. Uh, I said search bar. Yes. So do it. Uh, Josh, I'm going to call this uh, email from our old buddy, Lance Spangler. Oh. Remember him? No. He was, um, he's in the military. Okay, yes. He used to write us all the time. Yes, I remember. Did uh, we get hats from him? I don't remember. I think our, uh, our traditional Afghani tribal hats. Oh, was that from him? I believe so. Wow. If not, it. we're going to hear about it. Uh, Josh and Chuck and your production assistant, <clears throat> who... I know he's not talking about Jerry. I think he thinks we actually have, like, a team working for us. 
which is funny in itself. It is. We've got Uncle Merle, the Stegosaurus, Sharpay. I always crack up when people email me, and they're like, whoever uh, answers these for Josh and Chuck. Right. I'm like, yeah, I wish. It's us. Um, I first discovered y'all while working in uh, Iraq several years ago and continue to listen to everything you do. Um, you even sent me some stickers and two T-shirts back then. Uh, the stickers are no doubt still stuck to a number of buildings from Baghdad to Kuwait. <laughs> I awesome. love that. Yeah. Uh, you missed one testing method, however, in your nuclear devices in your most recent podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, remember we talked about uh, underground, mm-hmm. outer space, and what? In the water? In the ocean? Water, water. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what is currently the world's fastest computer located in California mm-hmm. has been contracted by the DOE and DOD to run simulations on uh, each device's output, real life, versus the estimated design output. Uh, the computer is powerful enough that it models the simulators at the subatomic level. Each subatomic particle from beginning to end is represented. That is crazy. Isn't it? Uh, because our nuclear arsenal is aging, uh, some weapons are 25-plus years old. That is kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, in any number of treaty restrictions, uh, these simulations are the perfect way to test a device without any nuclear fallout. Even more interesting, these simulations have uncovered some surprises, some good, others not so good. I guess he's going to keep those private. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but lest you think this computer is just a mushroom cloud in disguise, they're also modeling the human heart at the cellular level. Nice. Um, each individual cell that is, to determine the effects of various drugs and diseases. Uh, all in all, keep up the great work in what you're doing. And as an old television producer, knock them dead with a new TV show. Thank you. Uh, what an interesting project to be a part of. And with the kind of brand awareness and the following you have, it's sure to be a success. And that is from our old buddy Lance Spangler in Castle Rock, <laughs> Colorado. Who hopefully um, knocked on wood with that last sentence. We're knocking now, just in case. Yeah. Um, thank you very much, Lance. Yep. I I don't I don't know if you saw when you sent us the hats or not. I, well, I definitely remember that we sent him uh, stickers and shirts, yep. and now they're in Baghdad. And I believe he might have sent a picture back of them wearing the shirts. Yeah, but that might have been another guy. Right. We have, but then we have another guy who's taking who, who took pictures of the Flintstone amusement park in Baghdad. Oh yeah. He, I think he was the one who sent us the hat. That was awesome. Well, hat, we hats off to all our military listeners. Afghani hats off. Yep. Uh, let's see. If you have a correction or, uh, like Lance had, just a, um, I guess, a, a mind-blowing uh, addition. A, yes. Thank you, Chuck, because I was really <laughs> having trouble there. Um, you can tweet it to us at SYSK Podcast. You can join us on Facebook.com slash Stuff You Should Know. You can also send us an email to stuffpodcast at discovery.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. 